I want to thank you again for joining us this evening. Today I'm going to be talking about the book of the, the first book of Chronicles. Actually, there are two books of Chronicles, the first one and the second one. Let me say up front that the book is actually one book, but because it's so lengthy and so long, in our Bible it's divided to two. So that's why we have First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. All right? So today we're going to talk about First Chronicles, the first book of First Chronicles. All right? I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, let me start out by saying a lot of people don't like this book. And the reason why they don't like it is because it's really repeating a lot of things that other books have talked about. Let me put this in, in perspective. There are five books of the Torah, what the Jewish people consider the whole Bible. They are not into New Testament. They are not into a lot of the books of the Bible. But that first five book of the Bible they believe that was given directly by God to Moses. And they consider that to be the Torah. So they studied, they memorized it, and they tried to live by it. So the book of Chronicles is the last book of the Torah. It's the fifth book, even though it's divided to two sections. Uh, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. And because it's the last book, it summarizes all what has been discussed in the first four books. So a lot of people think, why would I be reading a summary? Why would I be hearing again what I've heard before? So that is why they felt, no, I'm not going to fool with this book. But I can tell you there's a lot of serious revelations in that book. I can also tell you, as pastor, I love the book. And I will explain to you why I love the book and why I'm hoping you also will love this book. The first thing you need to know about the book of First Chronicle is that it starts out the first nine chapters, chapter 1 through chapter 9. It start out by talking what we call genealogy. Most people hate that because genealogy is basically a list of uh, who is the father of who and who is the mother of who and who beget who and they trace how everybody come along. So it might start out and say, okay, Maurice was the father of Joshua, and Joshua was the father of Kisha, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And most Americans will say, oh, spare me the headache. I don't want to know all these things. But let me tell you how and why genealogy is very important. Genealogy is important because it shows you the bloodline. I remember raising my children and I want them to know who they are. So I will tell them the genealogy of the Dara family. I will tell them 
okay, Joshua is your daddy. But this is the father of Joshua. This is the father of, the father of Joshua. And I'll be keeping them informed. Then in the process, I will tell them the personality of their ancestry. Guess what that does? It lets each of those kids know who they are. It's a dangerous thing to be living and you don't know who you are. Are you listening to me? Can I be brutally honest with you if I may keep it 100? One of the biggest challenges we have in America is that people are walking around not knowing who they really are. In fact, I will further submit to you if Christians like you and me really know who we are in Christ, a lot of things that we're freaking about, we won't do that. A lot of things, people literally die of fear. People literally die of low self-esteem and headache and sadness of heart because they don't know who they are in Christ. So genealogy helps you to know who you are. When you know who is your father, and you know something about your father, and you know your father's father, and you know something about him, and you know your mama, and you know your mama's mama, and you study the genealogy, by the time you get through with it, man, I hate to use this word, you become a monster because you know who you are. Nobody can move you around when you know who you are. You know the danger of not knowing who you are? If you don't know who you are, somebody else would define you. And that's the problem that I have with a lot of my people here in America. Oh, wouldn't it be nice for people to know their, their descendants of kings and queens? Wouldn't it be nice for people to know the best universities in the world started with their grandparents? Wouldn't it be nice to know that you're not what the media call you? You're not what the police department call you. You're not what the government is trying to define you to be. So genealogy is very, very important. So guess what I do in the Bible? I study those genealogy. I'll give you an example. In the New Testament, uh, the first book of the gospel talks about how Jesus came about, who was his father, who was his mother, and then they trace the genealogy. But if you study that genealogy, then you would discover in the line of Jesus Christ was a harlot, a prostitute. You say, oh, no, oh, no, you, that's impossible. You see, that's the problem. You never study <laughs> But you know, that was not meant to be a negative thing. You know what it means to somebody like me? A homeless kid out of Riverside, California, it gives me hope. It let me know that I am somebody. If a prostitute, a harlot, can make it in the line of the genealogy of the savior of this world, that let me know I don't have to develop a ministry that feels they are holier than thou. 
That lets me know everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. It shapes my personality. It shapes the kind of people who are in my church who feel welcome. If anybody knows my ministry, they will know. Pastor welcomes everybody. The harlot, the prostitute, the crackhead, <laughs> the winos. Because when you study genealogy, you will see that God loves everybody. Have you ever seen church folks thinking they're all that? Or they're better than? But the truth be told, every one of us was made out of dust. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, God scooped down, made some pile of mud from dust, and then he breathed life into that dust, and man become a living soul. But isn't it funny that one pile of dirt thinks that he's better than another pile of dirt? <laughs> isn't it funny that one pile of dirt would think, oh, because his own skin tone is much lighter or darker, so he must be God's favorite. And the other one is not. Some people would not even talk to each other. But when you understand the genealogy, your bloodline, your family line, it changes your, your worldview. It changes the way you feel others. It changes how you approach life. Nobody, are you listening to me? Nobody can define me. I know who I am. It don't matter what you call me. <laughs> it just makes you free. Let me encourage you to study your own ancestry. Study your genealogy. Try to understand the genealogy of Christ. Know who you are as a child of God also. Your life will never be the same. So that first ninth chapter it's all about the genealogy of David, the Messiah, and also the genealogy of the priesthood. So in the first book of Chronicles, it traces kings after kings after kings, all the way to David. Not only the kings, it traces the genealogy of priests, from the beginning, the first priest being Aaron, it traces it down to all the priests that are serving today. It helps people know who they are. Then the next thing you're going to find out in the book of First Chronicles is that the book is a, is a message of hope. That's why I like the book. If you attend my own church, and no, no disrespect to other pastors. Different pastors are called for different reasons. Say, for example, we have medical doctors. Some of them are ear doctors. Some of them are nose doctors. Some of them are eye doctors. <laughs> the same thing in ministry. So if you study my own ministry carefully, I'm a pastor called for hope. I love to give hope to people. So, now you see why I, have, I love the book of 1 Chronicles. The whole book 
is a message of hope. It talks about hope of returning back to Israel. The people are in ex exile, you know. They are now slaves in different parts of the world, in Babylon, in, in Syria, you know, in Persia. So the book summarizing the whole of Torah is now saying to the people, there is hope. And you know, there are two areas that that book gives hope to the people of Israel. Number one, there is hope that all of the Israelites will return back home someday. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that today we have a nation called Israel. For the longest time, there was no such country. They were all taken to captivity all over the place. But God worked it out. Thank God for prophets who had prophesied a long time ago and give the people hope. Don't give up. Someday we will all be back home. Another thing that the, the book of First Chronicles talks about, it gives the people hope about the rebuilding of the temple. Now that may not mean much to you because we have churches in every corner. But for the Jewish people, they have only one big church. They call it the temple. And the enemy comes and destroys their temple. Sometimes they rebuild it. The enemy will come again and, and destroy it. So it's big deal to them. Their whole life centered around their worship, their sacrifice, the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, in their church building. So to see that building destroyed, it was devastating to all of them. The book of First Chronicle gives the people hope that they should be encouraged because the day will come when that temple will be rebuilt. So hope of returning back to Israel, hope of the temple being rebuilt. How does that relate to you? I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you today, no matter what you're going through, there is hope for you. I can stop you and go home. I am who I am today because of message like this. Oh, I wish I can share my story with you. If I tell you some of the things I've been through in life, you will be crying for me. You will feel so bad. For How can somebody be that? But you know what? One thing that kept me going was hope in God. No matter what you're going through right now, whether you're going through financial crisis, been there, done that. God me a t-shirt for you. Whether you're going through health crisis, whether you're dealing with crisis in relationship, whether you're believing God for something and don't look like it has come along. I know what it is to believe God for a miracle and you don't see it. I know what it is to take exam and flunk. I know what it is to go to job interview 
and you're rejected. And you see people who are not even as good as you getting the job. But let me stop by to tell you today there is hope. The hope we have in Jesus Christ is serious hope. If you would just adopt that simple revelation that no matter what you go through, no matter what the devil throw at you, no matter what your circumstance, your situation, your condition look like, if you would just receive the simple revelation that God is able to bring you out of it. Believe me when I tell you, you will come out victorious. There is hope for you. There is hope for me. The Israelites have every reason to give up in life. Every time they try to come together, the enemy come and, and whoop them. Every time they try to come back, then the enemy come and destroy their temple and destroy their livelihood and capture them as slaves and taking them captives and separate them from their families. It was a difficult time. And here comes the book of Chronicles. It is believed that the writer of this book must be one of those people who've been to the exile too, who understood what it means. Oh, I wish I can tell you. One of the things that keeps my own ministry alive is being able to share with people that I'm not just preaching theories and teaching theories. I've been through what I'm preaching. See, you can reach a lot of crackheads if you've been through what they've been through. I'm trying to encourage you to go smoke crack. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you've been through, you know, so there's a lot of preachers out there. And it's, thank God for all of them. But what you going to tell me about being sick if you've never been sick. I used to have a boss, Brother Andrew Crouch. He wrote a song. You know what he said in the song? He said, I thank God for my mountains. I thank God even for my valleys. How are you going to be thanking God for mountains and valleys? He said, I even thank God for every storm that he has brought me through. Come on, Andrew. Why will you thank God for storms? He said, I'll tell you why. For if I've never had a problem, I would never know I serve a God who can solve my problem. I would never really understand what faith in God could do. Then he ended his song by saying, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. You see, that's a message of hope. I, I learned to trust in God. I learned to depend upon his word. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're watching from India. Maybe you're watching from Nigeria, from Russia, from China. It amazes me all over the world. People are watching our broadcasts. My message to you this evening, have hope. 
your hope will sustain you in the midst of crisis. The world is going through pandemics right now, COVID-19. Have hope. Trust God to see you through. Sometimes I don't know even if I could trust the government report. I don't even know if the doctors really get it together, know what they're doing. But my hope is in Christ Jesus. The book of 1 Chronicles is so profound. He, it even talks about the hope of a future Messiah coming. I like that. Those of you who are familiar with my story, with my ministry, now you know why probably 90% of my messages is about confidence and hope in God. Let me tell you something else that's so profound about the book of First Chronicles. Not only is it a message of hope, but it, that book did something profound. It, it's trying to trace the genealogy of Christ to King David. But in the process, I noticed something. It never said anything negative about David. You know, in the previous books we have dealt with, uh, they talked about the immorality of David. They talked about the weakness of David. David loved girls. <laughs> David did a lot of crazy things. But here you go to the book of First Chronicles. Guess one thing you will not find in that book. Not one single mention of the weakness or the immorality or the failure of David. Why is that so important? Today you're going to get to know your pastor. I was not going to let you into, into my secret, but this book kind of exposed me. See, some ministry, all they talk about is gloom and doom. Some ministry, all they want to talk about how, how wide you're going to bust hell. Have you ever been to some churches and all you hear is just negative stuff? You're going down, you you dish, you that, you're gonna fall, you gonna the Lord gonna get you. They just go on and on. It just it just affects my spirit. One of the things I learned from the book of First Chronicles, I choose to have a ministry that is positive. I always say this to my wife. She's watching right now. She's uh, she likes to watch this kind of broadcast. I always tell her, I say, baby, if you look at every human being, you will find some good in them. I say, baby, let's focus on the good. We are called to build people up, not to put them down. Somebody who is a thief, you may not realize it, he knows that he's a thief. <laughs> you don't have to tell him you're a thief. He knows he's not stupid. A crackhead knows he's a crackhead. <laughs> a wino 
believe it or not, people are not stupid. They know. If you don't believe that, you're looking at, you see, when I do wrong, you don't even have to preach to me. I can tell I did wrong. You see, that's how amazing God has equipped human beings. We have this thing within us. It's like an internal computer. It's called conscience. Even if you've never been to any church in your life, when you do wrong, your conscience will judge you. The purpose of the church, therefore, the church is like a hospital where somebody who is sick, whether it's emotional sickness, whether it's relationship problem, whether it's health problem, whether it's addiction of any kind, the church is a place where people can come and get healed. Oh, I tell you, one of the things I'm grateful for my wife, when she finally caught that revelation, it changed our whole ministry. It changes our marriage. It changes our worldview. The book of First Chronicle was good for that. It never mentioned any mistake David made. It never mentioned about his immorality. It never mentioned about his wrongdoing. Instead, it talks about David as a statement. David as pioneer in line of Messiah. David as the one who provided all the resources to build the new temple. David as the one who lined up the Levites, who lined up the priests, who lined up the workers, who did all the fundamentals. He presented David as a success story. You know why I'm telling you all of this? Maybe you're listening to me. You have some brothers, some sisters. Maybe you have some children. And sometimes they make mistakes. Mine too. Can you look beyond their shortcomings, their mistakes, and see the good in them and celebrate them? Let me tell you something. I've been pastoring for almost 24 years now. I've had plenty of years to study human beings. On my job, guess what I do? I'm supervising more than 25 staffs on the job. All of them answering to me. That's not even the church, my secular job. You know what I found out about human beings? If you will focus on their strength, you can get more out of them. Those of you who are married, let me give you some marital advice. Yes, I know your wife don't know how to cook. Hey, don't tell me. <laughs> I know sometimes your husband, you feel like just slapping the crap out of him. Just, just, people just do dumb things and people just, but you know what? If you look close enough, there's a lot of good in that husband of yours. You're not stupid. There, there, there was a reason why you said I do to him. There was a reason why you moved from your mama's house to go live with this man. 
I know he's doing a lot of things now that you just wish you could do. Even, can I tell you a little secret? Even sometimes I want to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> Even in the church. But you know what? If you can just take a deep breath and see what is good about that man, about that woman, that wife of yours, believe me when I tell you, she is God sent to you. Don't abandon her. Don't walk away from your children. Pastors, don't abandon your church. Don't walk away from your congregation. I know they get on your nerve. I almost say your freaking nerve. <laughs> I've been there. Many times I just feel like just throw the towel and say, look, I'm out of here. In fact, I'll be honest with you. Don't abandon your own people. I never will forget one time I, I went into running for office and I, I felt rejected and felt people disappointed me and all that. And I just say, wait a minute. Why am I wasting my time trying to help these people? Look, I got it made. I got everything I need in life. My children are doing well. My family is fine. I said, forget it. Let, let, let everybody go go to. <laughs> but you see the message I'm preaching to you, God have to preach it to me. You know what I'm trying to tell you today? Commit your life to the things that are positive. The Bible says, whatsoever are good, whatsoever are honest, whatsoever are lovely, I mean, if there be any fatigue, if there be any, look for this thing. Think of these things. Don't preoccupy your mind with the negative. The book of First Chronicles focus exclusively on giving people hope and on being positive. Can I tell you one more thing? Because Miss Keisha is telling me I need to shut up. See? When you learn to be positive in every area of your life, when you don't allow the spirit of negativity to get you, believe me when I tell you, you will live long. You, all the toxin, the negative toxin, you'll get rid of. You will see people from a positive perspective. You will see the good in everyone. You will love people that the world consider unlovable. And God will trust you with a whole lot more. Guess what Jesus said? When you do this to one of these ones, you've done it for me. Let that determine your thinking. Let it shape your worldview. Let it affect the way you relate to your children, to your wife, to your husband. Even to your job, people on your job can get on your nerve. Don't come to their level. You stay positive. Love them even when they hate you. Believe me when I tell you, God will promote you. Thank you for listening today. I appreciate you. It's been fun just chatting with you. May God bless you till we meet again. Amen.